Hi, welcome to the Women's Health Podcast. I'm Anthony Lowe, the Physio Detective. And I'm Marika Hart from Herosphere. Together we interview leading authorities, we answer questions and share our thoughts to provide the general public with the best quality information that we can find on all aspects of women's health. Please remember that the materials and the content on this podcast are intended as general information and they're for entertainment purposes only. They're not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. Now sit back, grab your favourite beverage or do your thing and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Women's Health Podcast. Marika Hart here and here with my awesome co-host, Anthony Lowe. G'day, Anthony. How are you? Good. Thanks, Marika. Um, doing really well. Ex- really excited about today. Look, Been looking forward to it for, for a couple of months now, a few months now. Yes, we did book this special guest a while ago because, you know, she's kind of busy and, you know, a slightly different time zone, but we managed to find our schedules you know, mixing somehow and we managed to grab Molly Galbraith so we could have a chat to her about her amazing new book. Good morning, afternoon, evening, Molly. How are you? Hi, Marika and Anthony. I am so good and I am so excited to be back on this podcast. You all know how I feel about you all personally and professionally. It is such an honor to be back on here and talk about this new exciting project. Yay! We're so happy to have you and we would uh, encourage everyone, if you haven't listened to Molly's previous podcasts, please go back and listen. Um, in that, in, in those podcasts, she also talks a lot about her background and her story and how she came to lead Girls Gone Strong. Um, and it's a really interesting story. So we'd encourage you all to kind of head back there. But just to give you a little bit of a bio for those who uh, don't know much about Molly. Um, Molly's the co-founder of Girls Gone Strong, which is the world's largest platform providing evidence-based interdisciplinary health, fitness, nutrition, and pregnancy education for women in health professionals, fitness professionals. Um, We've also got industry-leading certification programs and coaching. As if that isn't enough, she's also the author of a new book, which is coming out very soon, which is called Strong Women Lift Each Other Up. Now, this book, this philosophy is woven all through GGS, which is why I love it so much and have been so happy to be part of that team. Um, And Molly's leading this team, which has got women from the US, Canada, UK, Mexico, India and Australia. And from employing and educating to featuring, collaborating with and investing in women, GGS is dedicated to serving their community of women from 80, more than 80 countries around the globe. So it's so exciting to have you here, Molly. And um, first of all, I want to know how how the heck did this book come about? Because I know that, well, for my for my experience, obviously talking to you quite regularly in our work together with GGS, I didn't know about it. And then all of a sudden, it was these little messages going, "Ooh, I've got a little secret, everybody. Guess what? Yeah. I'm writing a book, and it's coming out soon. So yeah. where did this come from? How did this come yeah. about?" That is such a good question. And thank you for that kind introduction. And like I said, I'm so excited to be here. So we've got kind of two different ways that it came about, right? Like we have like, where did this idea come from? And then like logistically, how did it happen, right? And so the idea, as you mentioned, so Girls and Strong, I'll give a super brief history, been around for 10 years. I've been in health and fitness for 17 years. My 
training is as a strength and conditioning specialist, but I consider myself to be a coach who helps women get from where they are now to where they want to be. And so I've done that through coaching clients online and in person. I had a brick and mortar gym. I've had a seminar business and Girls Come Strong started 10 years ago. And now what we do at Girls Come Strong is we provide that education, like Marika said, evidence-based interdisciplinary women specific for women and professionals who work with them. Because we believe when women feel strong, confident, and empowered in their lives and bodies that we can change the world. So it's a very mission-based organization that we have at Girls Come Strong. And health and fitness happens to be the vessel through which I figure out which we, you know, that carry out that mission. Um, but it's about so much more than, you know, squats and protein and things like that. So through our work at Girls Come Strong, you know, it started in 2011 with a very strong emphasis on strength training. And then over the years, especially as I went through kind of my own personal transformation, I started realizing like, oh, we need to actually, it's not just about strength training and cardio and nutrition. We need to incorporate, you know, body image and mental health and pre and postnatal health. And then, oh, we need to start, you know, really thinking about women's autonomy and agency and the ability to make decisions for themselves and feel in control of, you know, of what they want for their bodies. And then we kind of had this other realization, okay, so how does like social justice and like intersectionality and access to, you know, nutrition and representation, how does all of that come into play? And so it feels like every few years we kind of expand what it means to lift women up and what it means to do the work that we do at Girls Come Strong. And so we provide health and fitness education, but it kind of is through this really inclusive, intersectional, holistic lens. And you all know that I can like talk for like another 90 minutes without another single question. So you guys jump in at any point in time. I have a place that I'm going with this. But if I say something that you want to talk about, that you want to, um, you know, come back to or whatever, just let me know. So while we're providing this information for women, we realized there was kind of two themes that we saw. Number one was that a lot of women were struggling with feeling like they're not good enough, comparing their body, feeling jealous of other women, um, feeling like they're not thin enough, pretty enough thin enough, lean enough, successful enough, not a good parent, not doing enough in the world, right? Feeling like they just didn't measure up. And then on the other hand, we had so many women in our community who were wanting to make an impact in the world. They wanted their life and their work to matter. They wanted more meaning and purpose in their life. And they wanted to feel like they could do something to create change, right? They're seeing things on the news and they, you know, they want help in some way, but there was a couple things getting in their way. And number one, they didn't know what to do. So you see an atrocity on the news, you see something happening, you want to do something to help, you don't know what the thing is to do, right? Like what's the action that I can take to, to be, you know, do something about this. Number two, they felt like they're just one person and that they can't have enough of an impact as an individual, right? Oh, I'm just one person. What's my $20 donation gonna do? What's, you know, me posting about this on Facebook, what kind of impact does that really make, right? Number three, they were afraid of being criticized or have been criticized for what they're doing or not doing. We saw this a ton over here in the US as we're having this like long overdue racial reckonings, right? And so, you know, people are being told like, you need to educate yourself. You need to read these books. And so we're like, I'm reading, I'm reading. It's like, all you're doing is reading? That's not gonna do anything. What do you mean? Like take action, you know? Like, so it's like, uh, you know, they, they just, they, they're afraid of being criticized. And on the other hand, when we're in this space, we're in this position where we see that right now, there is a systemic lack of opportunity for women in the world. So in the U.S., 7% of Fortune 500 CEOs are women. 27% of Congress, of U.S. Congress, is made up of women. 11% of heads of state um, globally, so prime minister, chancellor, president are women. 
in the U.S., less than 3% of investment capital was invested into businesses wholly funded by women. And we go to conferences and we see out of the 10 speakers, there's usually one or two spots for women, right? So right now there's a systemic lack of opportunity for women. But when we look around and we think that's normal, we believe that there's actually less space for women and that we have to duke it out with each other for the limited spots available. Then, and we see that the women getting those spots usually fit a really specific mold, right? Like they look a certain way, like they, they fit the certain mold. Then we compete with each other for scraps instead of demanding more for ourselves and each other. So the way to overcome the systemic lack of opportunity, because I think it's a, it's a social construct that, that there's less opportunity for women, right? So that we've agreed that there's only one or two spots for women out of 10 on a panel, right? We've all said like, well, yeah, that's what it is. So I'm not going to recommend Marika because if I recommend Marika, I'm less likely to get that spot, right? Instead of saying, Marika and I are just going to start our own thing. And we're going to invite all of our sisters to come with us so we compete with each other instead of working together to overcome that systemic lack of opportunity. So we saw women struggling with comparison, jealousy, feeling not good enough, like they didn't measure up, like other women with their competition, like they had to duke it out for the limited spots available. Then we saw women wanting to create change in the world. And that change would require them to work with other women to do it, but they were struggling with this kind of feed forward cycle. And so the whole point of the book was I saw these things happening and I said, hold on, we've, we've got to do something about this. So the first half of the book is about helping women overcome comparison, jealousy, body image struggles, scarcity, feeling like they're not good enough, uh, helping them get clear on their values, overcome self-doubt, realize that we're better together and then actually give them actionable ways to lift women up in small ways that are accessible and in huge ways that can create this massive impact so that we can work together to overcome this systemic lack of opportunity and create a world um, that's better for women and girls. Yeah. Wow. Love it. Love it. Um, what a great summary. And, you know, I... I'll have to admit that I only read the book late last night, but I did get through the book and, you know, all of what you just said is in the book. And, you know, I, I, I was, this is the most amount that I've ever prepared for a podcast, Molly. Like, I tell you, you know. I tell you, I'll tell the <laughs> listeners too, Anthony in the, late at night is like messaging me going, Oh my God, this is so good. I've like, I've never done so much preparation for a podcast before. This book is amazing. And then he's like in other threads, the group threads going, you guys need to read this book that Molly, Molly Galbraith has written to people who, who aren't in this sort of, you know, field who don't know who you are. You need to read this. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I also messaged Amy who you met last time and um, well, you've met before and um, you know, I'm like, Amy, you need to read this book. And she's about to start a law degree. She started actually this week. She started a law degree, a law and commerce degree, double degree. And um, yeah. And it's like, Amy, you need to find time to read this book. This is so important. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, you know, it, it bleeds through and, and I'm, I'm going through, like I took five pages of notes and I'm like, uh, we're not going to cover this on the podcast and I'm just trying to pare it all down. And, and, you know, the things that you've mentioned already, you know, that scarcity mindset um, and, and helping people, I suppose, identify uh, where they are and how they're moving through it, but then also those actionable steps. And, and when you were speaking, one of the things I didn't put on the list was 
that reframing, you know, you go from negative to slightly negative to neutral. And you even had an example there for you where you got to neutral on, on cellulite, right? And then it was like, but that's okay. Like, you know, I'm okay with it being there. It, it's moved from where it was. Um, it's that moving the needle in small steps um, that I really loved. And, and you know, uh, it, how did I describe it? I described, um, sorry, I just lost vision of you for a second. But um, you know what, I've got it here. What I really loved and permeated through the book was, um, you know, believe that you're worthy of your own care you know, what does other, lifting other women look like, lifting up other women look like? Believe you're worthy of your own care, embrace small and embrace the small and simple and get curious. And then that theme just evolved and revolved and evolved and, and, and new things were brought in. It was so nice. And the, you know, you mentioned the actionable steps and, and the, the, the regret that I have is that I didn't get to spend the time last night to do all the work that's in it. It's like, the number one, it suits my preferences, but it was like doing a course even, you know, even though it was a book and full of stories and, and inspiration, you, you, you got to work on yourself and, and making it easier and accessible for people to, um, to put it into practice, you know, it's a great example of coaching. The stories were great. You know, the thing that I, I've always wondered, Molly, because you talk about your dad on previous podcasts and things like that, but I got to hear more about your dad. Um, and, and that was great, you know, decades ahead of his time and, um, and just the struggles and the way that he dealt with it. And, you know, you come from a family of activists. I think the whole thing is great. And, you know, well, I'm biased. I think people should buy it. <laughs> well, thank you. I, yeah. I just, when I, what I didn't want was for people to get to the end of it and feel inspired and excited and then not know what to do next, you know? So like you all no. are physiotherapists, I'm a coach and we know how important it is to not just educate people, but to then to help them actually put the thing that we want them to do into practice. And so at the end of all the chapters, starting chapter three, all the way through chapter 10, there are next steps that you can actually do. And like Anthony said, they're layered on top of themselves, right? So we kind of like lay this foundation, like here are the principles of lifting women up. And I'm very clear in the book that there's no one right way to lift women up, that we all have unique lived experiences and superpowers and things we're passionate about and access to different resources, whether that's money or time or knowledge or expertise or platform or influence. And so, you know, I really wanted there to be all kinds of different ways that we could lift women up in the book. So that, like I said, the first half of the book is all about overcoming our own struggles with scarcity mindset, feeling like we're not good enough, you know, body image, comparing ourselves to other women. And then the middle of the book is about like, okay, what are your values? Like what's important to you? How can you overcome self-doubt? Like how, what does it look like to live true to yourself? Cause that's a big part of lifting women up too. Like you know, Anthony wouldn't be happy doing exactly what I'm doing. And I wouldn't be happy doing exactly what Anthony's happy doing, even though we're very aligned and have a lot of respect for one another's work. He has unique values and superpowers and so do I. And so what are those unique values and superpowers? And then the next chapter is about being better together. And so Marika knows this all too well, that all of the work that we do at Girls Sound Strong is very collaborative because we truly believe that we as women are better together. But as much as we want to lift other women up, there was a recent poll 
here in the U.S. that showed 59 to 66% of women, only 59 to 66% of women would feel comfortable with a female CEO or a female president. So as much as we want to be like, girl power, women are awesome, 33 to 41% or 34 to 41% of women still would not be comfortable with other women in that position. And so it's like, how can we actually not only overcome our self-doubt, but overcome our doubt of other women and their abilities, and then actually understand that we are better together so that we can create this change. And then chapter seven is like the small ways that you can lift women up today, right now, in your everyday life that don't require a lot of time or energy or resources. It's like, you could, you could, they take like a minute or two minutes or less. And then as you get further along towards um, the end of the book, it's like, how do we help you find your unique superpowers? And like, you know, what are the ways that you can make a big impact in the world? And then, you know, how to create lasting change. And so, so the whole point of the book was to give people, was to, you know, understand that psychology of behavior change. How do we actually take people from where they are now to where they want to be? How do we help them implement the things that they want to do into their everyday life? And so I was hoping to, you know, I didn't want it to just be like a rally cry. I wanted it to be a how-to guide. And to get back to your first question, Marika, so that was the kind of like, where did the idea come from? But then how the book actually came to be has to do with you. So why don't you tell, so that I don't monopolize this whole thing, why don't you tell how you first found me and reached out to me and a little bit of that story. And then I'll pick up after you and then I can tell the rest about how, how you reaching out to me ended up leading oh, to this yeah. book. Oh yeah. So that was, it's such a funny story in retrospect because so many people are like, how, how did you end up working with this American company? And how do you know Molly? And it's, um, I, okay. So some of you know this story, but I was walking through Coles, which is uh, one of our supermarkets. I was in the fruit and vegetable section, filling up my, um, my trolley. And I often have headphones in and I was listening and I listen to podcasts and I don't, I do not even know how I came across this particular podcast, but Molly was a guest on, um, do you, do you remember the name of the podcast? Yeah, it has changed. It was, um, it was better every day and it is now the, uh, Dr. Brooke show, but it was Brooke Kalanick and Dr. Brooke Kalanick and Sarah Fergoso. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I, and I don't, I don't even know how I came across this particular podcast, but I'm walking through the supermarket and I just, and I heard Molly speaking and it was that particular um, podcast was predominantly about um, working with women and body, body image issues and not putting all this BS pressure on women to lose weight and to look a certain way. And, you know, and at the time, you know, I was running a lot of pre and postnatal exercise classes and I remember walking through the supermarket going, hell yeah. Oh, wait, hang on. Shh. <laughs> you know, like fist bumping in the in coals and um and then I got home and I googled Molly to find out who she was because I was not aware like at the time aware of Girls Gone Strong and I just sent her an email and I said I just want to let you know that I heard this podcast and I was like in the grocery store and I just loved everything you said and I think it's such an important message because you know one like Anthony and I you know we both work with a lot of new mums and they'll come to us and they're like, you know what, I've got to lose weight. You know, I've still got this belly and they put so much pressure on themselves and they're seeing this stuff on Instagram. They're so, you know, they're supposed to look a certain way. And I would just love for that messaging to change as I was feeling that a lot in that moment. And so I just had to email you and say, thank you for saying this. I think it's really important. I work a lot with new mums as a physio and I just, thank you. And obviously not expecting ever to get a response. And then, a, I don't know, it was like a month couple of months later or something 
Was it? I thought it was almost immediate. So, so Marika comes in kind of in the middle of that story. So uh, that kind of prior to that 2010, I started a brick and mortar gym in Lexington, Kentucky. And my then business partner and I also had a seminar business called train like a girl. And we invited a bunch of um, different professionals to speak at our events. And so one of the events we had invited Dr. Brooke Kalanick and a woman named Sarah Fergoso to present. So Sarah and Brooke met at that event and ended up becoming business partners and like writing a book together and starting a podcast. And so they invited me to be on their podcast. And so when we're kind of like looking at this snowball effect of like what happens when we lift women up, right? Like we hosted an event to help lift women up and teach professionals how to better coach women. And we invited two women to speak, right? And then they paid it forward by, well, then they started their own business together. And then they paid it forward by inviting me to be on their podcast. So then I'm talking about what I'm passionate about on there and Marika hears the podcast and she decides to lift me up by sending me an email saying, I think you're awesome. And it was around that point in time that we were actually looking for a pre and postnatal expert to work with at Girls Gone Strong. And so, you know, talked to Marika, researched her, realized how awesome and brilliant she was and asked her to come start doing work with Girls Come Strong. And as we're working on our certifications, we come up where we've got some questions that have to do with getting the certification um, and getting CEUs approved in Australia. And Marika's like, you have to talk to this woman named Mish Wright. She's amazing and she knows everything about the fitness industry in Australia. So Marika connects me with Mish, long story short, Shortly after that, Mish asks me to give the keynote speech at her Women's Health and Fitness Summit in Melbourne, Australia, and I decide to talk on the topic of strong women lift each other up. So I, and then I was like, oh, dang, I got to write this speech about it now because I gave her, I gave Mish the topic and it was something I wanted to talk about, but I'd been so focused on creating the certifications and stuff at GGS that I was like, okay, now I got to, now I got to write this talk. So I worked with our storytelling editor um, and writer, uh, Camille DePutter, to write the speech for it. And I'm like reading it on the plane on the way over. And, and you know, then I read it to Marika and I was like, oh, I don't make any like weird jokes in here that don't make the same sense in Australia as they make in the US. I didn't want to say anything weird in my talk. And so I gave this talk at the Women's Health and Fitness Summit in Melbourne, Australia. And it was incredible. All of the women were just kind of on the edge of their seats at the talk. And then afterwards I got this standing ovation and they all kind of came up to me afterwards and were like, where did this come from? Did you write this? How did it, you know, just, it was very clear that it resonated with them. And then I was like, oh, this isn't a speech. This is a book. Dang it. I don't have time to write a book right now. But once I had that idea, like once it entered my body, it was like banging inside my body. Like, no, I'm not going to go away until you let, <laughs> until you let me out. It's too important. And so that's kind of logistically how it came to be that, and it has to, you know, Marika, obviously, if she had never reached out, I wouldn't have been connected with Mish. I wouldn't have been asked to speak at that event. I may not have ever written that keynote speech, and then it may not have turned into a book. So yeah, December 2018, we decide that it needs to be a book. And just two and a half short years later, um, going on two and a half years, it's about to come out to the world in March. So as you can see through those series of events and women choosing to do the work of lifting other women up, it created this massive snowball effect. And now Marika does a ton of work with Girls Come Strong and she was my connection to meet, meeting Anthony and being on this podcast. And so it's just after so many years of struggling in my relationships with other women and feeling like they were my competition and feeling like, 
you know, if they had something that I didn't have it or feeling like, you know, I had to bully other women or girls or whatever, you know, because like to be part of the in crowd, like it's just so amazing that today every good thing in my life has come from lifting other women up and being lifted up by them. Yeah. So cool. So cool. I, um, I wasn't able to make that Women's Health and Fitness Summit. I was, um, but I was able to catch up with you later that week, which was awesome too. Um, and I really did wish I was there. But one of the amazing things um, through the book, not only, you know, you know, you, you spoke about you didn't have to, um, you know, the scarcity mindset with other women, but because of the ripple effect of Marika reaching out leading to the talk at the summit, leading to the book, leading to the massive encouragement that you would have gotten. It would have been a standing ovation, no doubt. Um, I'm pretty sure I heard it was. Um, you know, all of that stuff is fantastic. And I was reading the book. And one thing that I wanted to point out was that your highest value is uh, making the biggest difference with the least amount of harm, which I really do love. And, and it was almost... I almost missed it because it was just snuck in there. Um, I know you deal with values a little bit later, but like it was kind of just snuck in there. And I'm like, that bleeds through the whole book. Like if, if that was a color, like all the pages would have been that color. Um, it's, it's there in the way that you write. It's there in the way that you act. It's there in the, the key takeaways. It's there in the examples of, it wasn't all sunshine and roses in the book. Um, you, you talk a, a lot about some of the suffering that you've gone through as well as um, how to manage a lot of the negative emotions that people go through. Um, and, and right at the very end, you know, you are a role model. Um, I, I wanted to know a little bit about how you feel your role as a role model is um, through your journey. Uh, would love to hear about that and, and how having that value, the highest value, you know, you ask people to choose 25, pair it down, pair it down. Um, how did you come to, I suppose, that and that values-based uh, living? Yeah, that's a great question. So again, been in the industry for a very long time, 17 years, and have been kind of in the public eye from the very beginning. So, I mean, I got my start on like message boards and forums back in 2004 and really shared my journey very openly and saw that I was able to impact people and that I was having influence over people, even just sharing what I was doing myself. Right. And so, and this was back, gosh, like then on Facebook in like 2010, like everyone thought I was a weirdo for sharing health and fitness information and like having, you know, a professional page or whatever, and then having a blog and a website. And so I realized it was, um, was having an impact on a lot of people. And then girls gone strong starts in 2011. And I didn't start girls gone strong to be in women, to be a leader, right. And start girls gone strong to be like in leadership and like leading a company of women and like, you know, all this kind of stuff. I started it because I was passionate about strength training, but like, I never, that stuff never really occurred to me, right? Like, well, I'm going to, you know, lead this women's, this global women's empowerment movement with, you know, all of these people watching and paying attention and dissecting my every move and, you know, taking cues from how I handle things and stuff. Right. And so, um, but I noticed over time that I was 
people were paying attention to the way that I was handling myself and the decisions that I was making and the words that I was using and the way that I was, you know, speaking about health and fitness. And, you know, to be really honest, I think a lot of that, of what the changes that we've seen in women's health and fitness over the last 10 years from, you know, getting rid of free enough phrases like bikini body and mummy tummy and stuff like that. Like I think a lot of that has been influenced directly or indirectly by the work that we do at Girls Sound Strong because we do have such a large impact and, you know, changing women's lives and then they're turning around and changing other women's lives. So we're turning around and changing other women's lives. And so I realized that I had a big responsibility and I, back in maybe like four years ago, I was having some kind of inner turmoil or conflict over like decisions that I was making, right? Things like, I talk about this in the book, like, you know, should Girls Come Strong be talking about and educating on the topic of fat loss, right? In the last several years, it's been, um, there's been a, a really big movement within the health and fitness industry, the health at every size and the intuitive eating movement and anti-intentional weight loss. And anyone who's, you know, talking about weight loss or preaching weight loss is, you know, is fat phobic and has anti-fat bias and is being, you know, harmful because we know women who, you know, try to intentionally lose weight, like their diets fail and then they develop disordered eating and stuff. And so you've got kind of the one camp that's like, you know, super anti-intentional weight loss. And if you talk about fat loss, you're being harmful to women and promoting disordered eating and a poor relationship with food in their body. And on the other end of the spectrum, you have people who say like, you know, um, that quote unquote obesity epidemic is what's, you know, damaging people in America and rising healthcare costs. And, you know, by um, not talking about fat loss, like you're, you know, you're harmful and you're not being a good fitness professional and all this kind of stuff, right? And so it's like, so what do we do? <laughs> what do we do? Right? Like what, how do we tackle this at Girls Sound Strong? And so several years ago, I did a values workshop with a uh, social justice educator named Dr. T. Williams. And he walked me and our team through this values finding exercise. And at that point in time, I realized that um, making that making a difference while doing the least harm was my number one value. My number two is integrity. And my number three is resilience. And since then, I've also learned a lot about values from a guy named Dr. John Berardi, who's a good friend and mentor who co-founded Precision Nutrition. And I just started realizing like, this value stuff is magic. <laughs> like it is, and, and to have them hierarched, to know like, this is my number one top value of all time, like actually really helps you filter and make decisions. And even more than that helps you feel steadfast in your decisions so that you feel good about the work that you're doing and the choices that you're making and really allow people, especially for me, well, that's one of the things that I've noticed. People really love being let in on kind of like how we make these decisions at Girls Gone Strong, right? And hearing how I navigate difficult situations. But for me, like realizing that I'm living true to myself and being able to use that filter of like, is this going to make the biggest difference um, has been really, really powerful. So like certain examples, if I'm, uh, I was at a conference several years ago, I heard that the keynote speech, it was a guy who's been in strength and conditioning for 40 years. He's incredibly well-respected. And he used the term girl push-up in his talk. And I was like, the, did he just say like, what? And so it was funny because I was sitting in the audience and this woman leans over. She's like, are you Molly Galbraith? And I was like, what gave it away? Me freaking out of the term girl push-up? Okay, maybe so. Um, but anyway, so long story short. So he uses the term girl push-up. And so like, I was really upset by that. He's somebody who has a lot of influence. There's a problem when we use um, gendered language and terminology to talk about things like that, because it's the assumption that, 
you know, these are weaker or lesser than girls aren't as strong as men and boys. Uh, we've even had women in the GGS community who thought they couldn't do regular push-ups because they weren't girl push-ups, right? Like there's just all of this like weight that language carries. And so I was pretty upset about it. And I started thinking about it. I'm like, you know what? I don't have a relationship with this guy at all. And I think that I'm going to make a bigger difference if I wait to bring this up to him until we have a little bit more of a relationship and he knows me a little bit better and there's a little bit more mutual respect there. And so instead of saying something in the moment, because I could have gone on social media, right? And, and like created a firestorm on social media, I could have sent him an email and just been like, you know, you know, what the heck, why are you using this language that's so inappropriate? Like there's a number of things I could have done, but for me, and so if speaking up was you important embarrassed to me. him in the moment and called him out and said, Oi. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And so, but I was like, you know what? I want to make the biggest difference. This person has a lot of influence in the industry. A lot of people pay attention to them and listen to them. So I think that I'm going to have the biggest difference if I wait until I have a little bit more of a relationship. So a year passes and I develop more of a relationship with this person. Then I send him an email and let him know like, Hey, you said this thing. And he ended up being incredibly receptive and just like, thank you so much for bringing it to my attention. And he didn't remember saying it. He's like, I usually don't use that language other than to say that we don't do girl pushups. And I'm like, well, that's still using it. And that's still making it a thing. And here's why that's still a problem. And, but anyway, he ended up being incredibly receptive. And I just said, Hey, I know that you believe that girls and women are strong. Like you work with a ton of female athletes at your facility, you know, your daughter's an athlete. Like, I know that you don't feel this way. And so I think it's really important that you're aware of how how your language might actually have a different impact than what you intend. And he was super receptive to it. And so that's like an example of me saying, listen, okay, here's this predicament that I'm in. What's my top value and how am I going to let that guide me? Because some people might've said like, by not speaking up that I was encouraging it, right? Or that I was like letting it go on. And that's fine. That's a valid, you know, that's a valid perspective or whatever. Um, and Sometimes it, people, people probably need to be called out on social media if they continually <laughs> demonstrate bad behavior that they're not changing, right? But for me in that moment, I felt like according to my highest value to make the most difference was to have a private conversation after I developed a relationship with him. So that's an example of like one of the ways that I use that value in my kind of decision making within my own personal life and then within the organization as well. And I've noticed yeah. that... Um... Oh, sorry. <laughs> Talking at the same time. We've got so much to talk about. It's like, well, um, I've noticed that in, in working with you, um, Molly, is that as a woman, sometimes we can get, well, no, men as well, men get, we can get caught up in drama. Like it's really easy to get caught up in the drama. And I remember having this conversation. I've had several conversations with you over the years with this, like working with GGS, because one thing that I've noticed with you is you just don't get caught up in the drama. And so people's disagreements, pettiness, bitchiness, these things that are going on behind the scenes, don't even bother trying to pull Molly into that because she's just, um, but very, very politely, because I remember one time we had a conversation about something and I think it was we were trying to get a couple of different people to work on some stuff. And I said, oh, I don't know if that's going to work because these people don't get along very well. And if if we do this and this person will get upset. And Molly just said, Marika, I... I'm actually just, I'm not interested in, in any of the drama. I want to get the best person to do the best job and that's it. And it was just very kindly said, but I, you know, we've had conversations about that and you were just in terms of coming back to your values, creating something that is going to be, 
life-changing, world-changing for the biggest number of women was always so high up there. Whereas getting into the bitchiness, the me, 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 behind people's back, any of that, which is not something that I like to engage in either, but you were just so clear that I'm, no, I, I just, I'm not interested. I'm not going to get involved in that. And um, it's funny kind of looking through the book, it could have so easily been like a lecture, like this is how everyone should behave. And here is this recipe on how to be an amazing, but it, it doesn't feel like that because you sprinkle through all the examples of stuff that you've done where you've just thought, oh God, like that wasn't right. And I've learned from this mistake. And these are examples of how these things could be done better, but it never felt at all like a lecture. And I think I'd be interested to know how you sort of like manage that. And I guess part of it is just through the storytelling and putting your own examples in it too. But it felt like um, you were taking us on a journey, but not, I, I never felt like, even though this was like, oh my God, I could change the world. And it's so inspiring but it never felt like someone saying, you should do this, you should do this. And um, although there were moments of discomfort reading it, and I think anyone who's reading it will see this element that will sometimes feel like, oh, I feel a bit uncomfortable in this, but I'm okay to sit in this discomfort because I can feel that it's leading to something better. Does that make sense? I feel like I'm rambling. <laughs> no, I, it totally makes sense. And I so appreciate that, you know, such a big, like, it's not in my top three values, but it's real darn close is this idea of autonomy and getting to choose for ourselves and understanding that, um, yeah, that having like that ability to um, do things that are important to us is so critical. So I really didn't want people to think lifting women up has to be this way, right? I'm all about showing women possibilities for their lives and for their bodies and saying like, there are so many ways to partake in this thing. And I'm also a big fan of, um, of humility, you know, like I have made a lot of mistakes over the years, all the way back to my really early days of you know, being willing to engage in like bullying other girls and gossip and, you know, like breaking trust of friends. And like, I have been there and done all of those things, right? And it's not stuff that I'm proud of, but I can see now that I was caught in scarcity mindset and the comparison trap and just doing the best that I knew how. And I had a lot of lessons at a young age that taught me those things, right? So I opened the book by talking about being in eighth grade and being on a school trip and you know there was a rumor spread about me and all the girls were making fun of me and I didn't you know I didn't realize it until I looked around and realized they were all laughing at it you know laughing at my expense and having my feelings deeply hurt and then the next day I woke up and I was braced braced myself to be bullied again and a different girl became the target and instead of me having empathy for her I jumped in on the bullying and bullied her because I was so you know, glad not to be the target of that, right? So that is ingraining in me, like, okay, only so many girls can be accepted at a time, right? And that you have to step on or over other girls and women to be part of the in crowd and to have that belonging that we all seek. And, you know, there were other different times in my life where, um, you know, the way that I look was really like impacted the way that people treated me. And so that taught me like, I have to look this certain way in order to belong. And so, and I need to be better than her, you know, I need to be leaner or fitter or smarter or more successful or prettier or whatever. And so I've, I feel like I've been there and I've done that and I've made so many of those mistakes and I've 
even as I've tried to do better, I've continually made mistakes. And so it was important to me to have that humility and to know I'm going to keep making mistakes, you know, like as, as this book comes out and, you know, more people read it and I'm sure I'm going to say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing or, um, or, you know, make a decision that maybe like later I see I could have done something differently. And so I think it's just so important, like we're to just own our humanness, you know, and own up to the mistakes that we've made and, you know, be held ourselves accountable and, um, and try to do better. So that's kind of what I wanted to demonstrate in the book, because I think that fear of perfectionism is part of the thing that holds so many women back from doing the thing, right? The fear of criticism, the fear of someone calling them out, the fear, it's like, it's like, I'm scared I'm going to make a mistake. And it's like, I have a secret you are going to make a mistake. You know, you are. It's like, I'm afraid of being judged. I have a secret. You're already being judged. You know, it's like, I just want to kind of like blow all that stuff up, right? Like you're afraid of being judged. You're already being judged. You're afraid of making a mistake. You're already making a mistake. You're afraid people aren't going to like you. There are already people who don't like you. And so it's kind of like, okay, like once you know that, it's kind of like, all right, well, that's kind of freeing, you know, like there's not really anything I can, I can, I can play small and I can try to make everyone like me and I can try to be perfect. And it's like, all of that stuff is futile, right? And so it's like, we can do that or we can accept that all of this stuff is gonna happen and we can do our best and we can be open to feedback and constructive criticism. And we can, you know, just understand that when we know better, we do better. And like, know that, you know, this kind of stuff is gonna happen and just be prepared for it. And, um, and yeah, just own it when it happens. I actually wrote that down. You don't have to be liked by everyone, you know, in my little notes. Because that's something I think, you know, as women, we're sort of almost wired to like please people, to make everybody like us and to actually, and I think that's somewhat re um, refreshing about getting older is, you know, now I'm, you know, in my mid forties, I, I care, I care so much less about what anyone thinks of me. And yeah. there's, there's something very freeing in that is just going, Oh, this person doesn't like me. I, I don't care. Like I just, because well, I've got plenty of amazing friends who, who I love being with, I don't need to be liked by other people who don't value me or what yeah. I offer. That's fine. And we don't have to like everyone else either. You know, not everyone's going to be our cup of tea, but we can still respect their humanity. We can still, you know, want good things for them. We can still support them and lift them up in certain ways, but they don't have to be our people, right? So lifting other women up is not about liking everyone. It's not about being liked by everyone. It's not about being friends with everyone. And it's not about winning either, right? I think there's such a just especially with social media these days, like you said, Marika, some of like the drama or the fights or whatever, it's like people just want to be right, you know, and whether it's that, you know, they want the thing, the paper that they wrote to be the most right, you know, or they want like the way that someone treated them, you know, they were wrong, there's the most right. And it's just like, you know, we're, we're all just humans, humaning, like doing our best and we're going to make mistakes and people are going to remember situations differently. And there's going to be, you know, like, like whatever, different intentions and, and stuff like that. And so I just think it's, it's so important to remember all of those things and know that like lifting women up, it's not, it's not about winning. It's not about, you know, doing better than everyone else. It's not, it's all very short-sighted, right? It's just about like learning, growing, doing our best, doing better, learning, growing, doing our best and, and doing better. And that's such a freeing thing to know like, okay, I'm going to make mistakes. People aren't going to like me. I'm not going to like everybody and that's okay too, but I can still believe in their humanity and still want good things for them, even if they're not my people. 
Yes, absolutely. And, and I love that in the book that you, you give so many practical little daily things that people could do, like, like choosing to, to, to buy your coffee from um, a, a woman who owns a business or um, mentioning and giving credit to, to women. And, and, you know, you gave the example, just one of many, by the way, um, of Obama's staffers who had a lot of males that were already there because of the campaigning. Um, but just by working together, um, being able to increase the awareness of, of their perspective and helping each other up, that was, um, that was, that was a great part of the, the book as well. Um, one of the things that I wanted to say that I see just through social media as well as through your actions and, and just listening to Marika, to be honest, um, is how a community is really important as well to be able to encourage each other and build each other up. And, and you know, you can see it in the GGS communities as well. Um, and, and I suppose um, I'd, I'd like to hear your thoughts on having communities and, and, um, and places that you can encourage each other and, and maybe some of those little small daily things that people could do, even if it's online in a comment or um, in person with a compliment, a genuine compliment, uh, just some of those little practical things uh, that, that we all can do to, to help lift women up. Yeah, I thank you for saying that about the GGS community. We've got, yeah, an enormous community, community of women from all over the world. And it's that's what GGS kind of started with, with seven women who came together from all over the world because we were seeking community of other strong women who liked strength training and were interested in lifting weights. And, you know, it seems kind of weird now in 2021 to be like, well, hardly any women were lifting weights. And it's like, no, seriously, 10 years ago, oftentimes we were one of the only women there <clears throat> And so we were seeking community of women like us and, you know, women who were passionate about the same things we were. And so that's kind of where it started. And then today we've got across all platforms, like over a million women in the GGS community, which is just really powerful. And it's so mm, it's, it is simultaneously heartwarming and also heartbreaking for women to join our, like say one of our closed Facebook groups and for them to say like, this is one of the only places that I feel like really seen and really encouraged by other people. Or, you know, like I hit this deadlift PR and I don't feel like I can share it with anybody else, but I know you all are gonna be excited for me. And um, especially with the pandemic and people not being able to be around other people in person, I think that that community is so, so powerful. But also on the other hand, I think um, one thing that was really important to me when writing this book is that I feel like there's a lot of, stereotypes about who women and girls are that you know women are catty and bitchy and competitive and girls are mean and you know they're not kind to each other and, and so I think that's that's a stereotype and one that I really want to help kind of myth bust a little bit because I don't believe that inherently that's who women and girls are and at the same time I know women and girls have had those experiences and so I don't want to discount what those experiences are. Like I was bullied in middle school and made fun of, and it, you know, hurt my feelings and broke my heart. Right. Because I think the thing is, is that it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy when that's what we are told and what we believe about who we are and who we're supposed to be. So when we think that there can only be so many girls in the in crowd and only so many popular girls can belong, right. Then that fosters that kind of sense of scarcity. You're not enough 
only so many girls get to be here. This is a closed off circle. You know, you have to, in order to be part of it, you have to look a certain way or wear the right things, or you have to dislike that other girl too and make fun of her, you know, to be part of this or whatever. And so I think that it was important for me within the book to acknowledge that if that's been your experience, that that's totally valid. But I also want to use the principle of getting curious and say like, okay, so you had this bad experience with a female boss. Is it because she was really like, are you chalking it up to the fact that she's a woman? Like, have you ever had a boss that was a guy who was a jerk? Did you chalk it up to him being a guy, right? Like the same way that like a female CEO is head of a company and the company tanks and people are like, women can't hack it in that position, right? Male CEOs tank companies all the time and nobody nobody chalks it up to them being a guy. So I like to kind of step back and be like, okay, you know, get curious. Like, you know, is it, am I taking this differently because it's coming from a woman than when it's coming from a man? Like, am I thinking that she's being abrasive and, you know, aggressive and he's being assertive and passionate, you know, like, I think it's important to kind of step back and take a look at that kind of thing. And so I, the, the book is about helping women recognize maybe where some of those internalized biases come from, how they can overcome those biases to actually believe in other women, and then how to be a strong woman who lifts other women up so that you can attract those same women, right? Like, like even in my relationship with Marika, like she just brought up when she was bringing up that stuff about what well, this person is like that person. And I'm like, you know, I'm just not like, I just don't really get involved in that or whatever. I didn't have to be like, Marika, I can't believe that you're letting yourself get sucked into that. Or man, I just had to be like, Hey, that's, I don't really do that. And I don't want to speak for you, Marika, but it sounds like that's had an impact on you and maybe how you show up going forward in other relationships. And so I think there are just so many ways that we can, um, be a strong woman who lifts other women up and role model for other people. So not only do we start to attract women who are already like that, but then other women in our lives kind of come along that same journey with us and go through a similar kind of growth, growth pattern, I guess you could say. Yeah. So wild. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I've only been in therapy for 13 years straight. So had a had a lot of time to think about think about this kind of stuff and um yeah it really has been that's been one of the best things I've ever done for myself is go to therapy almost weekly or every other week for 13 years helps a lot yeah I answer now. jump over who gets the next question I just wanted to make a quick comment before you Sorry. go I, I just wanted to mention just on what you said uh, Molly one of the one of the personal not stabbing because it wasn't aggressive but um one of the ones that hit me strongly was the section where where you talk about saying no to things because I quite often say yes to things a lot. Um, so, <laughs> um, so you know, the the section on being able to say no, but lots of different examples of how to say no or how to say no in a constructive way so that you make the biggest difference with doing the least amount of harm. You see that value. Like once I read that in the middle of the book, it's like. I want to go back and see how it bled through the whole of the book. And I can look back and see, but like, you know, it'd be interesting if that was right at the very start, but you know, it's yeah. just a thought. Um, yeah, it was cool. Anyway. I really tried to, as I shared the information in the book, I tried to also embody the information from the book in it itself, you know, so that you could actually see the principles of the book. So oh, it comes through. Know. Yeah. 
And I talk Absolutely. about giving women credit and sharing their work and amplifying their voices. And I tried my best to actually do that in the book as well, because I wanted it to be a living embodiment of the principles that we're talking about within the book. So, so I'm trying, if there, it's very meta, I'm trying to make the biggest difference while doing the least harm with the whole book itself as well. And I, that's, I had actually written down the same thing, Anthony, about the saying no, because um, Molly will know I'm, I've, traditionally being terrible at saying no to anything I'm so much better over the last couple of years and I just say no can't do that um sorry I don't have time for that and and you know what it's okay and then you realize that people actually don't mind I think for most of my life I thought that if I said no to things that somehow you know I would be disliked uh would frustrate people and then you realize that if you just you know it's okay to say no because you can as you say, say no in a, in a polite way. And we had someone recently who um, we invited on the podcast um, who said more than happy, uh, a, f- a female um, sexual, sexual therapist. And she said, oh, look, I would love to, but, um, you know, is it a paid gig or is it, you know, free? And I said, well, we don't actually monetize the, the podcast. So we don't, we don't have a budget for this. Um, and she said, oh, sorry, um, you know, my time is very valuable. Um, this is my hourly rate. And um, I just wrote back and I said, I 100% respect that. And thank you for, thank you for saying that, you know, that is your rate. Um, well done, you know, say, say no to free things when you don't have the time and it's not, and it's, you know, not a priority for you because you don't know us. Um, and yeah, I, that came in the book as well when you were saying about when you first connected with, with Krista, um, that she very politely just said, you know, hey, thank you so much for reaching out to help you with this work. I don't have time right now, but I think what you're doing is amazing. And it's just keeping doors open. It's not slamming doors in faces. No, and it's powerful too, because then that woman said, hey, this is my hourly rate. And then it's like, well, that's amazing. She knows what her, no, she knows what she's worth. She knows what her time is worth. And I've heard the same story from women who, like a woman reached out to another woman for some business consulting. And the woman's like, my rate is this much an hour. And like, a lot of women could like kind of cower or shy away from saying how much the rate is per hour, but that actually inspired the woman who wanted an hour of her time to be like, I want to get to the point where I can charge that for my time, you know? So it was more about showing them what was possible. But the thing about saying no, that's part of scarcity mindset as well. Cause we're afraid we're not going to be liked. We're afraid that someone's going to get ahead of us, that we're not going to get that opportunity again. Right. Like when I, even when I was getting my hair and makeup done for the book cover photo shoot, the woman who was doing it was asking me questions about what the book was about. And I was telling her and she goes, oh my gosh, I am so scared to take a day off for myself or to say no to a paid gig because I'm afraid that if I do and I recommend someone else that I'll lose out on that client and they'll start working with that other hair and makeup person because they'll think I'm unreliable or not a hard worker. And so she's operating from that place of scarcity as well. Like I have to hustle, I have to take all the opportunities. Another woman's gonna get ahead of me. She's gonna take my clients and I'm not gonna be able to you know, be successful. And so it's true, it is so much to our own detriment. And then in the book, I give the example of academia where there's evidence to suggest. So. I, I, I've not spent time in academia. I'm regurgitating what I have learned from people who are in academia, but not only are you mostly doing like teaching, there's also research and there's, you know, writing books and papers, and then there's also service projects. And so there's evidence to suggest that more women in academia say yes to the service projects because they're afraid if they don't, that their boss won't like them, that they'll get in trouble. They'll seem like they're not a team player. 
But the problem is, is they are raising their hand for those service projects to the detriment of their ability to do research and write and write books and get other paid gigs. And so it actually ends up holding them back from getting promoted and moving forward in their position because they're saying yes to the things that, that the other people don't want to. And so I had a male um, faculty member at a major university. He was like, yeah, I just wait because I know that they'll say yes. Like I know that they'll volunteer and I won't have to. And he's like, it sounds selfish because it is, but like, I'm, I know my time is valuable, but the women are too afraid to say no because they want to people please and they don't want anyone to be mad at them. And they, you know, think they, they won't be a team player, but it's actually turning out to be happening to the detriment of their own um, ability to move forward and move up within their position in the university. So yeah, I think learning how to say no is so important and you can do it in a way that uplifts other people. You can say, Hey, I don't have time for that right now, but I would love to recommend so-and-so, you know, I'd love, like, I can't do that, but I'd love to recommend my colleague who's really amazing. Then you're helping your colleague out. You're lifting her up. You're lifting up the person who asked for you. You're lifting yourself up because you are creating space and you know time for your own self-care and not overextending yourself and uh, and you're role modeling what it looks like to to do that for other women absolutely it's um you know it's it's those um it's just those little things you know the 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 ability to say no and if you do say yes, and then you spread yourself thin, you, you actually get less done. You know, those consequences, um, so important. Uh, I am conscious of the time, Molly. So um, I am happy to keep going. I've got about 45 minutes, I think, but- um, <laughs> I'm good, I've got another 20 minutes. So if you all okay. want to keep going, let's keep going. Yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of, um, the 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 value I think in the book is not just the information you you've touched on so much that's in the book and I can assure the listeners that you haven't got the book yet like trust me there is so much more that's in the book that we haven't even scratched the surface on um but the taking the next steps the the little practical the little practical things that people can do I really think that's where the value of the book is can you tell us about um just some examples of how you've seen that type of coaching. Um, you know, you, you talk about a concept, you share your story, and then you invite people to go through the same or similar process about thinking about those concepts and then writing these things down. And it, it feels very um, led in a, in a helpful way, you know, not led to, to make sure that you get the right answer, but led in a way that, hey, you know, this process through this, pathway, I suppose, is likely to get you to where you're going to find out more about yourself. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about that? And, um, and how, I suppose, yeah, where I'm going with it all is, is just how useful this book is. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Anthony. I appreciate that. And, you know, it all comes down to 
the same way that we educate at Girls Gone Strong. It's just this I was going to say, you need to get hold of the Yeah, it's the psychology of behavior change. So it's how do we get someone from where they are now to where they want to be? So how can we remove as many barriers as possible, make it so clear for them what their next steps are? How can we shrink the change so that the thing that they're doing is more accessible to them? Like, that's why it was so important for... Um, me to write the book in the way that I did is because, you know, the first four chapters of the book are, are understanding the principles of lifting women up, overcoming scarcity mindset and the comparison trap and getting right with yourself so that you can become a woman who wants to lift other women up. Because if I gave you all the action steps in chapters seven, eight, nine, and 10, but you were still struggling and comparing yourself to other women feeling like you're not successful enough, feeling jealous of them when good things happen to them, like you wouldn't want to partake in the things that lift them up because you'd still be struggling yourself. And so that's exactly why it was written. It's because it's like, okay, wait, you have to get right with yourself. Right. And then the next chapter is about living true to yourself. Because like, if you are not doing that, you are going to feel misaligned in your behaviors. You're not going to be able to identify the places in which you can live true to your values. You're not going to feel good about your decisions. You're going to be second guessing yourself all the time. You're going to be doubting yourself. Right. So it's about overcoming self-doubt, living true to your values. And then the next chapter is better together. So it's like, okay, cool. You're good with yourself. You know, your values, you believe in your worth, you, you've overcome your self-doubt, but do you actually believe that working together with other women is going to lead to better outcomes for you and for them and for your community? Well, if you don't actually have the tools to do that, because again, it's another thing to be like, we are better together, but it's like, what does that actually mean? You know, well, that means overcoming you know, our doubt of other women. That means learning how to forgive ourselves and each other. That means operating with generosity and our assumptions of one another, right? So like, what does it actually mean to like live and work better together? So that's what that chapter is all about. Now it's like, okay, now you're ready to do the work of lifting women up. And so, and then the second, and then the second half of the book, starting with chapter seven, again, it was no mistake that chapter seven or no accident, that chapter seven is like small, actionable things you can implement into your life right away that don't take a lot of time, resources, money, anything like that. It's like, you could, you could bang all of those out in 15 minutes, right? You could lift women up in eight different ways in 15 minutes. And so the whole point was it's accessible to anyone, no matter who they are, where they are, what position they're in, stay at home mom, work in an office, have money, don't have money, have a social media platform, don't like it's accessible. And then as you go further along in the book, um, you know, helping women discover what their unique superpowers are so that they can really like turbocharge the kind of change that they want to make in the world. And then how do you actually make that last over time? And like, what does that look like to be a strong woman who lifts other women up, who has the responsibility of role modeling what that looks like in the world? And so it was very intentional in the way it kind of builds on itself and all the exercises, you know, teaching women how to raise their awareness about things, how to notice and name how they're feeling, how to retrain their brain, you know, how to like the actual things that you can do to overcome self-doubt. Like, I just wanted them to feel like, no, like it, I, I don't like it when someone presents a problem and then they're like, well, the solution, like, this is how we want it to be. And it's like, I don't know how to get to that place. Right. Like, how, like, what's the thing that I do? What's the next step that I take? And so the whole point was to make it as transformative as possible so that women know how to start implementing this into their everyday lives. Because truly, I think we're at this just really powerful place and unique time sociopolitically in which some women have more 
power and authority and opportunity than ever, but there's still so much work to be done. And so I just felt like it was, um, you know, people are like the future is female, this girl can, girl power, but it's like, okay, cool. But like, what do we actually do, right? And how do we help people see that these really small acts can actually snowball into these massive ripple effects that positively impact a lot of people? Because if you're just like, oh yeah, you should give, you know, give women a compliment. It's like, well, what is that going to do? And it's like, well, it could actually do a lot of things. Like you're in a meeting with your coworker, you give her a compliment and you say, Hey, Marika, you were so prepared and confident and just like so thoughtful in that meeting. Like I really admired the way you handled yourself. Well, Marika's like, well, thanks. You know? And then she might be like, you know what? I have been working really hard and I have been really prepared. Like, I think it's actually time that I asked my boss for a raise, right? Like I'm like, go into the office, ask the boss for a raise, right? Or maybe she's like, you know what? I am really confident and prepared. I can do this better than this place is doing this right now. I'm going to go start my own thing. Or she says, you know what? Like I was confident and prepared. Like the next time someone talks over her, maybe her partner or her mom is like overbearing. Right. And she's like, Hey, like, stands up for herself. You know, she uses her voice. She decides not to be talked over. She's confident and prepared in her conversation with someone else. Like all of those things like could have been spurred from that one compliment. Let's say, okay, Marika asks for a raise. Well, then other women in the office are like, well, Marika got a raise. Well, we do the same work as Marika. We should get a raise too. Well, that could over time close the gender pay gap in Marika's office, right? Marika starting her own thing could then inspire other women who see what Marika is doing and what she's building to have the confidence to start their own thing. Or, you know, her daughter could be watching her stand up for herself in front of people who are trying to talk over her and be like, yeah, like, you know, like use your voice, like speak up for yourself. Don't let other people talk down to you. Right. Like she could be role modeling that for her daughter. And so I think it's just really powerful when we see like even these small little things that feel inconsequential can actually build up over time to create so many positive ripple effects that will not just impact us and our lives, but the lives of other women. And then ultimately our communities and our world. Dang, girl. Um, I was, it was a great question, Anthony, because I felt like um, I actually wrote that down about the rewiring of the brain. And I think that was such an important process to go through because I, I feel like when you are hurt or you feel devalued, you, um, you know, in your workplace or at home, you don't feel like you're in a space to even support other women or lift each other up when when you don't have the sort of you know, like the self-care there, you don't have the self-value as well. Um, I think you, it's very hard to be in a space where you can do that. And you did talk a lot in the book too about um, ways that you can change that rewire, uh, rewire the brain in terms of cultivating your social media, really taking a look at the people you surround yourself with. And I've certainly done a lot of that in the last few years and just being very mindful of the fact that there are people who will be really encouraging and really supporting of, of me and, you know, my crazy ideas and my passions. And you just, when you're surrounded by people like that, it does give you, first of all, it does give you more confidence to go and ask for the things that you need. Um, but it's, you know, it's so valuable to do that because that really helps with that rewiring too um, and cultivating that environment around or curating that environment around you, whether that's in social media or just in person. I think that's really important. Um, but the other thing I took from that section was rethinking assumptions. And um, I, that made me kind of stop and pause a bit because I do think historically that is something where 
if someone has said something or done something, I would have been like, oh, that really hurt. They don't like me or they didn't like what I did. Whereas, you know, I think over time, and maybe this is also spending time with you and at Girls Gone Strong and learning through these through these processes, because it is a drip feed thing. It's not something you just like one day ago, oh, I'm going to do all this now. But reading that, I could think back to say 10 years ago when I was younger and more sort of vulnerable, um, probably emotionally, but I would have read into things a lot more. Whereas now I, I kind of feel like to some degree, I'll look at something and think, is that what, is that really what's going on? Like, is that really what's happening in that space? And also to taking it back to, you know, if, if another woman is feeling hurt, is feeling vulnerable, is feeling like she's not supported, you know, maybe that's her story and that's why she has said that. So maybe I can read that in a different way and respond to that in a different way that'll actually take away some of her hurt so that she, so yeah, I feel like that was a, a really interesting thing to read because I, I can see historically where I've done that and where I'm slowly making changes is to really not make assumptions about what someone is actually saying and jumping to conclusions, but actually stopping mm -hmm. and going, is that what they meant? And is there something behind that? And is there a way that, you know, we can maybe work together and maybe help her have some value in her life as well? Yeah, I think that's so important. And especially when so many of us are working right now online and we're not always in person with people and, you know, having like so much is lost in written communication, whether it's on social media or in Slack or in a, you know, Facebook message or text or whatever. I do think it's so important to be generous in our assumptions of other people um, and what their intentions might be. And, you know, if we're not really sure, you know, what they mean or whatever, asking for clarification or saying, hey, like, you know, the, when you said that thing, like actually it just happened the other day, I took a long time to film a video for a team member. And I was like, you know, and I think this should be changed. And it's really important. And like, you know, it's this big shift that we want to make within the organization. And they wrote me back and they were like, oh, so you're just asking me to change this word to that word with like a smirk. And I was like, and I was kind of like, I mean, like either, like, I can't tell if they're being snarky or if I didn't explain myself well. And so I just wrote them and said, hey, I think you're being kind of cheeky with your comment, but I do think that this change that we want to make is really important. And so did it come across that way as important in the video? And she wrote me back and was like, hey, I was being cheeky. I'm sorry, that was probably in poor taste. And I was like, oh no, I'm not offended. I just wanna make sure like, you know, my, my intention came across in the video. I don't want the thing that I'm asking you to do to be minimized. I want you to understand what a big deal it is. And so it was like, you know, she could have gotten mad and I could have gotten mad. And, and I also realized in that moment that I hadn't asked her for her opinion if she agreed on this this change that we wanted to make. And I really value her opinion in the thing. So I was like, I also realized I just told you to do the same without asking for your opinion, you know, but we were able to just be really straightforward with each other. And I was like, Hey, I get that you're being like this, but here's what I'm really trying to find out is, you know, did this come across this way? And then she's like, Hey, I'm sorry. I realized my thing probably wasn't taken right. And I'm like, it's cool. You know, like I realized I didn't even ask for your opinion on this. And so instead of like, you know, simmering underneath and like oh she's you know she dismissed what I said and she's such a jerk or you know like you know my boss is this or whatever we were able to just say like really straightforward like hey I don't think that you were trying to be a jerk I think you were just trying to be kind of funny or cute or cheeky or whatever the thing is um and so but instead of just like letting that simmer under the surface I just called it out and was like hey this is what I was getting from your response 
is that really how you're feeling or did I communicate the antenna, communicate how important this thing is that we're talking about, right? So she was able to clarify it. And so, yeah, I think whenever we can be generous in our assumptions of people, whether their intention or just like how they're showing up that day, you know what I mean? Like maybe someone is actually being a jerk to you. Maybe they're just having a really bad day. You know, we all have bad days where we don't show up as our best selves. And so saying, you know what? you know, Anthony, it seems like you've had a long day. You're tired. You were up till one reading my book. Like, you know, I, it's, it's totally fine that you were a little short. Um, you know, I appreciate your apology about that, but like, it's no big deal, you know, you're human. And so I think whenever we can be generous in our assumptions of people's actions and intentions, at least for me, my life is a lot happier and better that way. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and I really appreciate the clarity in which you communicate. Um, you know, one example I was thinking, you, you'd asked me if I would contribute towards um, a resource that you were doing and it was like, it had a four week deadline, I think. And I was about to do four, semina four seminars in the CrossFit games in four weeks. Like it was just nuts. And I, and I had to say, no, I had to say no, um, <laughs> but but I said no in kind of a vague way because I kind of said I got a lot on my plate, and you were like, "I'm I'm not sure." Just just to be clear, you know. And I really appreciated that. And then I was like, "Oh no!" Like, yeah, no, I'm really busy. But I felt so bad for saying no. Mm -hmm. um, but um, you know that that clarity is so important, and the assuming positive intent, you know, assuming positive intent. Um, I, I look your book. If it's my biases, um, I think it's wonderful. I I um, I love how much of it is so synergistic with with what I personally am am trying to do, and and you've been a major inspiration along with with other people um, in how I've evolved over time, and um, really do appreciate that. I have the unenviable task of summarizing the session today. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so today we have covered your book strong women lift each other up it's coming out very very soon um so definitely recommend it to people they'll be able to find it on um all sorts of places you just have to google it and you'll see it um, yeah if they go to mollygalbraith.com forward slash book they can find all of the retailers including the international retailers because obviously you all are in australia and so they've got links to all of those um retailers we'll make sure that mollygalbraith.com forward stroke book is in the show notes um so we've covered that and i really loved how um we covered the first part of the book where you've really got to understand yourself and the, the scarcity mindset and the comparison trap that's occurring um, and really, you know, shifting the needle there. And then you get to the middle of the book where it's like, okay, how do you live true to yourself and understanding what your values are? And, and you know, we've discussed how your highest value doing, doing the greatest good with the least amount of making the biggest difference, I should say it properly, making the biggest difference mm -hmm with doing the least amount of harm is permeated through the book. And the whole book is an embodiment of not a preachy, this is what you should do, but hey, this is a journey that I'm on and you're trying to do the great, uh, you know, the most good with the least amount of harm, um, making the biggest difference, Anthony. Um, <laughs> okay. And then, And then, well, you know, it just gets translated differently sometimes. And then, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and 
and and I really did love that going from uh, negative to slightly negative to neutral to uh, slightly positive to positive, um, as well as, um, you know, there's some other exercises in there where you can then start adding because, and, you know, there's, there's lots of great stuff in there. And then, okay, so you've understood you and the context that you've grown up with. You understand more about your values and living true to yourself. How do we then make a difference and you start with small daily tasks and we talk about all the way up into role model and making a difference in the world finding your superpowers um, making a difference you've you've shared with us lots of different stories and lots of examples of um, how women lift each other up um, there's there's also book resources that we haven't mentioned yet but there's also online resources that come with a book um, and I'm really excited I think I think this is a book and, and I know that it's a woman who's written the book about other women lifting each other up, but I, like I read the book and was like, oh man, there's so much I've got to do. And I'm thinking <laughs> scholarships and I'm thinking, how can I make a difference? Um, I think everybody needs to read this book. It's, it's not just for women about women. It, it really is like, I know that that is the audience and I, hundred percent support it, but it's honestly, it's good for everybody to think like this. So I really appreciated it. And, and we really appreciate your time, um, taking the time out to do this podcast. We love you, Molly. Um, and thank you so much for what you've done for the world and your, um, I, I'm, I'm fairly confident that I can say for both of us, you know, such an inspiration, such a, uh, such a, a great role model to follow and um, really, really appreciate every inter every interaction you've had with us and um, and my daughter as well, you know, like she, she still remembers so fondly that time we spent together. Um, and, you know, I, I think going forwards, that is something really, really important that she'll be able to go back on in her life and, and appreciate why she was taken out of school to, to go walk around the city with Molly. <laughs> Uh, so yeah thank you well thank you thank you both for having me I know um, I, that a lot of time and effort goes into the podcast and into you know cultivating your all's audience and your community and so the fact that you all continually trust um, me enough to have me on your podcast and share me with your community means a lot and I appreciate you reading the book and saying those things Anthony I've just always been a fan of um, what a champion you are for women and obviously think so highly of Marika that you know want her so intimately involved with the work that we do at GGS that I just I love you all and appreciate you all and I'm so excited to to be here and thank you all for your support of me and Girls Gone Strong and this book. Thank you Molly and everyone check out the links go buy the book not just for yourself I think I have ordered about three or four I can't remember um, to give to friends and family. <laughs> um, and as there's an audio book, there's a digital book. So, you know, you can get your hands on um, different formats, whatever is your preference. But I think, you know, I, I read this a few months ago and, and I loved it. And I think this can make such a huge difference to people personally, but also, you know, at a community and international level. Mm -hmm. So thank you for being with us today.
Well, that's it for this episode. Be sure to hit like if you enjoyed the episode and leave any comments or questions below. We'd really like to hear from you. If you haven't already hit subscribe, please do so now so that you can be kept notified when we release our next episode. Otherwise, thank you for listening and we look forward to having you back with us for another episode of the Women's Health Podcast.